Well, shalom and welcome to the Parsha podcast with Shomer Man and my special guest, Chavivi, the incredible Talman. Come on, man. Come on. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I am ready to get this ball rolling. Come on now. All right, well, Shem. so everyone has heard that, you know, we have a Hulk, and uh, here he is. So um, we just want to just take some time with Parsha Vaera this week. And, um, you know, the Hulk and I love ninja training. So mm. we're going to bring everybody to the dojo, and <laughs> uh, we're just going to spar. We're going to go back and forth and just going to have a good time and um, just dive into the Parsha. So Baruch Hashem. And we shall begin with the opening bracha. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bakar banu mikol hamin, venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, so... Parsha Vaira, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? You know what? You are the man. <laughs> I I will yield my time, Your Honor. <laughs> All right. Well, go for it. Why don't we just start with the first part of this here? Um, first of all, in Bereshit chapter 18, we have three individuals appearing here. Mm. And there are so many different opinions and everything that's going on and all sorts of stuff. But I just want to bring a nuance to the table that mm. the last time we saw three people appearing at once and it was a appearance, it was an appearance of the Shekinah was during the Mount of the Transfiguration. And so when you look at the fact that you have Hashem and two angels, or you have Mikael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Mm. And as Rebbe Griffin said, you know, sometimes Mikael and Memtet are, you know, kind of confused or synonymous, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, obviously this is Hashem in the likeness or form of a man, which we know Mashiach is Hashem in the likeness in the form of a man. So whether we call it Mikael, call it Memtet, or call it Mashiach Yeshua, we're still looking at the overlay and the correlation of the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just wanted to bring that down uh, as another uh, elucidation to what's going on. Because if you notice during the Transfiguration that there is a cloud that surrounds Yeshua Moshe and Eliyahu and it wasn't until that moment that everything became super bright mm. and Hashem says this is my son and whom I'm well pleased and so when you think about that it's just kind of like but why wasn't it until Eliyahu <laughs> and Moshe appeared with Mashiach and so there's kind of this idea that you know, it is, there's like this element of three that is going on and not to be confused with the Trinity, mm. but there are actually, when you look at the manifestations of Hashem, as far as the Sephi wrote, 
which are actually filters for the divine light to flow into creation. So you have 10 lenses, for lack of a better term, that mm. you see. And those lenses come in three different columns. Come on. And if you actually study the Kabbalah on that, like the kosher one, not the Madonna one or the spooky one or the practical <laughs> one. Right. But it, it says these three pillars are actually one. You know, when you really get down to the actual essence of everything, because the three pillars are just, you know, when you're seeing them spread out, you know, that's kind of a further step down into the fragmentation of how the unity comes from above to below. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, you know, so Matthew 17 is uh, where this happens, the Mount of Transfiguration. And so um, when all that is going on, we have the same picture shown here with Hashem appearing to Abraham. So that's the first thing I just wanted to start off with because I've just been kind of looking through sources on that section of the parsha and uh, having conversations with some of my coworkers because mm. they're like, you know, how many people have actually seen God? You know, what is that all about? And sometimes in the Bible, it says they saw an angel, but the person says they saw God. And it's just like, what did they really see? You know, so, mm -hmm. so Baruch Hashem. So you're saying, so, so wait a minute, hold up. You're saying that these three, while independent of each other, actually have a unity among them. Ken. But it's irrelevant unless there's a unity among the creation with them. Huh? That would be correct. For so, 300. so really, you have you have the unity of God. Everybody knows about that. Everything's fine and perfect in heaven and all the angels are dancing and doing cartwheels. And down here on earth, we're struggling. And people mm. are struggling. People are hurting. So when the three show up, there's a unity that they bring, but it's a unity to give so that so that, that which below is unified with that which is above. And that which is above is unified with that which is below. And that, that unity allows that conduit of flow, of Shava, of nature, of of mm. the essence of, of Hashem. Whether it's three angels, whether it's Hashem and three angels, um, there still needs to be that unity with this man, Abraham, for this for this particular purpose. Is that what you're saying? You know what? I mean, absolutely, because if you think about what do we say before we retire and when we arise. The very first line of what we say ah. is Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Hashem our God, mm. Adonai Echad, that Echad word, if you really, right. you know, you got to study that word. I was bringing this down uh, earlier this week from the Kehert Humash. On uh, Devarim chapter 6, verse 4 in the Hasidic Insights, it's breaking down the word echad. It can mean about three different things as far as when this word appears, it's used as an adjective, like a description word. But we also know that an 
Echad is a name of Hashem, but you know, that's not where we're trying to go right now, but we can. Mm-hmm. But with the actual commentary, it explicitly says that Hashem is one body with many members. And we know that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Shaul is bringing down that that's Mashiach. You know, he's one yeah. body of many members. And so that element of unity is what's important. And in this sense, to have this unity be able to be expressed in a kosher way, it was expressed through one man who was circumcised about three days ago, time, time frame of this parsha, and he is at the day where his physicality is at its least. Like, I must decrease that he may increase. Mm-hmm. So as decreased as he could be, he is that element of the unification that would allow for this appearance of Hashem to be brought out in such a manner that what seems to be so, like, diverse is actually one. And so, yes, you know, for the long answer <laughs> to my huh. agreeing with you is that, huh. you know, that's the reason why it doesn't say who Hashem appeared to in the original Hebrew for Pasuk Aleph. Because it says, Vayera Elav Adonai. It just uses Elav. Mm-hmm. Like appeared to him. So did he appear to him? Like did Hashem appear to himself? Which we know Abraham is a mirror of Hashem. That's why Hashem said, I myself will save him from the furnace. You know, because Gabriel and Mikael were ready to go get Abraham out of Nimrod's furnace. Mm-hmm. And Hashem was like, no, let one go save <laughs> one. I.e., there is no one in all of creation like Abraham. And there is no one in all the universe like me. Again, Echad. So when we're looking at the appearing here, he's he's able to appear like this because this is how Hashem is you know, outside of creation, in the heavenlies, where they're saying, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Zavot. There's such unity. And that's why there's this long, expanded liturgy that we pray before we actually say the Shema. If you look at those brachot on the Shacharit, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on? We're getting a glimpse into Hashemayim, where everyone's submitting to one another. They're all as one with one voice. There's such unification going on in the heavenlies that it is ridiculous. And then you can overlay that with the three sages who got to go into the Pardes. And one of them was struck with insanity. His name was Akhir because he said he saw Memtet sitting and writing. And no one in Hashemayim is allowed to sit. You know, and so yeah. it's kind of like, wait, what, what was that all about? So there is definitely something to us getting the understanding and really grabbing a hold of, pun intended, because, you know, we grab the zitzit, which are four corners, and make them into one corner while we're saying the Shema, by the way, mm-hmm. talking about Echad. I mean, there's just something about that element of unity that is so vital to the revelation. 
Yeah, and and he said, "Do not pass, pass on. Do not pass me by." Huh? Right. You know that's that's interesting because it's a reciprocal desire here in this story of of Hashem wanting to bind himself to Abraham and then Abraham reciprocally through hospitality wanting to bind himself to Hashem. Mm. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and if if you I mean, you know, of course we could do a whole drosh just on hospitality alone, uh, which right. is very powerful, especially especially with the idea of Sarah and and the connotations there between her being Jerusalem and and her opening the 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 gates the gates of the tent up and she being barren but yet uh full of joy and laughter and and these are all analogies that that parallel with with jerusalem and isaiah talks about it and obviously we have the revelation where it talks about uh this this new jerusalem as being a bride you know and um and and how can a barren woman have have uh, children? And how can how can the how can Jerusalem, being a barren place, have children? You know, so it's very a very interesting concept that that runs parallel, but it's all based on his effort uh, to make sure that they didn't pass by. Wow, you know. So, I mean, this is that's an interesting statement when you really think about it, because here we have Hashem appearing and his presence is like able to be stopped. Based off of this, this passion and this yearning for Abraham to bring Hashem into his house and show hospitality. Mm hmm. You know, to be able to to stop the divine presence, you know, just kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting because it says it says Hashem appeared. Yeah. And you know, didn't didn't he say haven't you, well, you know, appear meaning to consider to to um to gaze at. I mean, usually we're the one gazing, but he here he is gazing at Abraham, Come right? On. Here he is considering Abraham. There's another story where he said, have you not considered my servant, yo? Oh, come on. So there's a whole nother picture in a picture right here where we can, where we can have a whole layer of texture added to this story through suffering. In fact, hey, can I have a minute or two? You can have as many man, minutes as you like. Boy, I, I didn't I didn't think I was gonna get the mic back here, man. I'm telling you, Matt was on a roll, man. Boy, you know how I am. Hey, you need to put a tip jar on this uh anchor so uh so I can I can tip a penny so I can get the mic for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when well, you hear that ding, yeah. Right. Okay, okay, ping pong, here we go. <laughs> Okay, so so let's just go on this because this is the Kiddush that I got is something I've never seen before in this story. And usually when, when we get to Vaira, man, I go straight to the Akidah. I mean, it's so easy, right? It's the, oh, right. Come on. It's the greatest story in the whole Bible, you know? 
the greatest foretelling anyways of of yeshua and and the messiah and the son and the father and you talking about unity they walk together as one come on i mean oh don't even look at the commentary in the cat humash oh yeah i can the, imagine the unity on there that's crazy <laughs> well i mean there's uh there's talmud there's targum there's there's midrash i think i think midrash says as as one as as one would carry his own stake to be crucified, something like yes. this. That's bear sheet Rabah get you some. Yeah, I mean, you know, anyways. But let's okay, can we back up? Let me just back up just for a second. I wanna I want to <laughs> focus on on unity because I feel like my number one challenge in life, uh just just reading this story and being introspective is to stay unified with with my god the god of israel Amen. and i have every reason not to be unified with him given that you know i live in north texas i don't know how many miles away that is from jerusalem uh there's no temple um it's it's hard uh to to get up and wrap to feeling and go to work and say my prayers and come home and you know my wife's uh she travels a lot for her job and we've got teenagers and all the challenges that life brings every time i look around there is there is a challenge and so my number and, and not not to mention my own insecurities my own fears my own uh desires that that i wrestle with every day of my life I have this huge Hulk-sized spiritual <laughs> uh, essence that just wants to serve Hashem and just destroy anything and everybody that gets in my path. And then there's mm. this other part of me that is uh, that that is, that is like this worm, and it, it just it just wants to waller in the the cares of this life and it just wants to to go in and out of the dirt all the time and, and just stay all filthy and dirty and i'm wrestling back and forth man and and you know ultimately it comes down to the choices that we make in life and the we make and you know when you when you say the shema and and you go to bed at night and and you have peace in your heart you've you've done you've done good you know you've uh you've you've stayed connected to him that's wonderful but there's there's days that you wonder wow what just happened where did this day go i i, I worked all these hours i i was on the road driving that crazy traffic and there's this struggle and you go man i wasn't connected to hashem today and so you know i, I wrestle with this and and i see this in the this parasha in the very beginning and really? I, yeah, I do. I see it. It's a hiddush. I listen. You talking about getting an idea from Hashem? This this started Havdalah. I was, I was with Jared and and Nathan, and we were just sitting at the table, and Jared, I think it was Jared, who said something about the Oaks of Mamre, and I said, "Wait a minute, what does <laughs> what does that word Mamre mean?" Oh snap! Because I had looked that up many years ago. I did a study on it a long time ago, but I had forgotten. So uh, we looked it up, and 
would you, you would not, I'm telling you, it's like getting on a four-wheeler with a full tank of gas and just <laughs> driving. <laughs> and you, and you don't come back. You got a tent on the back and you got water and everything. You just go. Well, wow. and I mean, it is the craziest story and journey. I just want to take a minute to, to share it with you. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. I got my Hulkbuster suit on. All right. Well, here it goes. I looked up Mom Ray, and you know my site, just for all the listeners who's going to listen to this podcast. The site, oh. the site that I like to go to, my number one all-time favorite etymology site, name site, is mm. abarim-publications.com. That's where I can take a word and really get into its roots, its constructs, its nouns, its verbs, and everything that's associated with that word, how it's built, how it's made, and all the connections that it has throughout the Bible. So we looked up Mamre, and it's, it's very interesting <laughs> because it has uh, two roots that form the, the word Marar. And then there's a uh, one of the roots that form Mara, and mm. then ones that that form more. So those are the three roots. We're looking at them, going down, and I get to the the noun more, or more. And would you know that that is the same word as myrrh? Myrrh, myrrh being the frankincense and myrrh, the, the anointing oil myrrh. Wow. This is this is the stuff that all good stuff has rubbed on it. <laughs> wow. All, all good things have myrrh put on them, you know what I mean? Right. I'm talking about the <laughs> altar, the temple, the priest, the prophets, the kings, everybody, the Messiah. This is all done by myrrh. Wow. So now think about this. The whole portion starts off. Let me let me pull it up here. Uh, the whole portion says, "Hashem vayra elav Adonai." The Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, mm -hmm. with the root being mur, mur, and he was sitting at the entrance of the tent when the days was hot. Now, the, the, the Chazal connect this passage with the previous passage after he had just been circumcised at the age of 99. Right. Right? So here he is. That's why they say one of the angels was Raphael to bring healing to this guy. So he's sitting here. Uh, Slika. Okay. So you know that concept of a wingman? Yeah. So Raphael being like Hashem's wingman and there's healing in his wings. Oh, come on, man. Anyway, you were saying. Tip jar. Ding. <laughs> uh, Get all right. that mic back. So, Take it back. <laughs> so the wingman is to bring healing. So Abraham's sitting here. Now think about what happens at circumcision. This, the, the chidush that I got from this, I mean, first of all, it ministers to me personally. Because mm. circumcision is is a rite of passage, but but Abraham is showing us the way at the age of ninety nine, the rite of passage. Wow! So this is this is some serious, legit stuff going on here. Right. He's here, and 
and Hashem is considering him. Why is he considering him? Why, Why? is he looking at him? Of all the different many reasons, could it possibly be that there is a sense of compassion? There's a sense of, wow, look at this guy, 99 years old. He's been circumcising his heart for I don't know how, well, since he was 50, right? Since he left. At, at least, yeah. <laughs> so he's been circumcised. Yeah, exactly. At least. But but here he is, 49 years, whatever, 59, whatever it is, years later, he circumcises flesh. Look at this guy. I mean, I'm I'm feeling Hashem's heart here now. And right. And and what does he do? Now here here we are. We are supposed to anoint the holy consecrated things with frankincense and myrrh. But what is Hashem going to do with him now other than to anoint him with myrrh? Hmm. And he is at the plains of Mamre. So I'm getting the ramus here that that there's a hint going on that that something got cut off from Abraham and now there's right. a healing. <clears throat> so obviously in our lives, um, this concept is very near and dear to our hearts of people, things, jobs, careers, decisions and choices that we make in life that some are good for us and some are very bad for us. Some are harmful for us. And we are afraid to let it go and to cut it mm. off. We are afraid mm. to put ourselves in the position of pain and hurt and shame in some cases, uh, disgrace. There's a fear involved. But I would argue from a biblical point of view that the Torah provides a light on instances where this has happened to show us the way that this is where Raphael comes. This is where Hashem, this is where Hashem considers you. This is where Hashem gazes down upon your life. When you make these decisions and turn about decisions, key monumental decisions in your life where you have to cut things off in order to move forward. And if you look at Abraham, now think about this. I don't mean I don't be hogging. So if you if you want to put the tip jar in, I'll accept the tip. But <laughs> but why I do want to say this that there is this this idea of this myrrh in in the New Testament in the Brit Hadashah. Oh, really? That's there, where we going? That's where we're gonna have to go there. We're going to have to, in order to understand what is going on right here in the first four verses of this parasha. Okay. So, first of all, first of all, I want to say that the whole, the whole event of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the rescuing of Lot, which you and I talked about, um, the whole deal about Lot. I mean, man, that's that's another Hiddush I got. I mean, I've never really seen this Lot being such a pivotal key ingredient to the lineage of Mashiach. You mm. know, and 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 
And then from Lech Lecha, here comes Lot again. Like, this guy won't go away. I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you've got Sodom and Gomorrah. You've got the prophecy of the doom and the gloom, the fire and brimstone, by the way. Brimstone wow. being, being the Hebrew word. Check this out. <laughs> go free up. Gopher? Gopher. Really? Yes. Oh. Yes. Wow. No, go freed. Go freed is brimstone. And now now look, the brimstone can either save you in the ark. Right. Or you can die by it. It sounds like the Torah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Depending All on what you do with it. <laughs> so exactly. And you and it, you have to make the decision on which way you're going to go. Choose this day. You're going to go this way with life, or you going to go that way with death. Are you going to Are you going to allow these bad things in your life to be cut off, or are you going to allow them to linger on like a bad wart? Wow. Sometimes you have got to let it go, let people go, let things go. And now check this out, brother. This idea all begins with Abraham as a individual example of being circumcised and then and only then does he have the myrrh the healing myrrh put on him now check this out yeshua is what is he doing he is in a home and judas iscariot starts going nuts because mary Miriam the sister of Lazarus and Martha takes a, a, I think it's a liter or a pint. Our English renders that as a pint. Pint okay. of myrrh. Do you know that that represented an annual yearly salary? That one pint, 300 denarii. Really? 300. And she starts pouring it on his feet. And here comes Judas. Oh, no, man. We got to use that money. No, no, no. Don't do that. And, and Yeshua <laughs> said, hey, let her keep it for the day of my burial. That's in John 12. Mm. So this was very, I mean, Yeshua really received that. That was, again, Yeshua appeared to Mary. I'm going to say, I'm just going to have the little leniency right here and say he appeared. He considered that moment. Wow. Right? You better believe it. I mean, that's on the level of a Yom Kippur sacrifice. Okay. Which you bring once a year. Okay. okay. Or a Pesach sacrifice you bring once a year. Come on. I mean, I'm just saying. Come on. All right. Well, let's take it up a notch. Let's take it up a whole bunch of notches. All right. In John chapter 19. Now again, if you go if you go to my website, I bring publications. They have the most beautiful article. When they get to myrrh, and they get to the you know the etymology of Mamre, and they get to the myrrh, they have an article linked that they wrote on Nicodemus. What? And on John nineteen, Nicodemus brings a hundred liters. Wow. A hundred pounds worth of myrrh oil. 
Wow. And you know what they say? They say Mary's Mary's um, myrrh filled the whole room with the smell of that bitterness and that fragrance. But Nicodemus's offering filled the whole town. I mean, you could smell a hundred pounds for who knows how long. Probably as far as Jericho. Well, they compare it. They compare it to a garden with a new tomb. Uh-uh. Which is a direct reference to the locked garden, the virgin bride of Song of Solomon's 412. And four verses later, the wafting spices that just go on and on and on. Oh, my word. Now, think about this. Nicodemus, first of all, his name comes from Nike and Demos. This is the victory mm -hmm. of the people. This is what this wow. guy's name means. He is sitting here. Th this is a, a leader of the Pharisees. This is not just a, a, a little yeshiva guy. This is mm -hmm. one of the top, top dudes in Jerusalem. And him and Yeshua, they, they kind of like each other, you know? But, he, but right. he's got, man, I, I got to go to him at night. I've got to, uh, you know, check this thing out. And so was Joseph of Arimathea. Both of these right. two guys were leaders in the, in the Pharisees, among the Pharisees. Well, we know what Joseph did with the garden, but now look what Nicodemus is doing with the, with the myrrh. This is not for embalming him. This is to compare with what Yeshua told him in John chapter 3. You have to be born again. Are you really a leader? Are you really a teacher of the Pharisees? And Nicodemus comes back around in John 19 and says, I'm going to show you that I understood what you was talking about because I'm going to bring a hundred, hundred pounds of this myrrh. And Jared, Jared looked it up, uh, you know, what our current value is of this stuff. And we're talking about thousands of dollars worth of myrrh in today's day and age who knows how much it would would have been worth back then but there was no hiding it. you're walking around with a hundred pounds of myrrh come on people are going to notice and you know he did it because the kings brought it to him when he was born on this earth they brought frankincense and myrrh and gold and gifts and nicodemus said i'm going to bring it to him when he's born again with the resurrection Ooh, huh Man. And that is a journey that one takes. This idea of resurrection, this idea of a new life, this idea of receiving. It says the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. All of Viera is prophecy. I mean, the whole thing is just one big prophecy. Know that, believe that, trust that. The first verse has 42 letters in it, which which could correspond to the 42 months of the Great Tribulation. Okay, you need to get some help for that. Hey, listen, <laughs> what we're talking about here, you've got 42. You've got Mem, which is the first letter of the Oral Torah, and Beit, which is the first letter of the Written Torah. This oh. is legit. <laughs> so what is the war about? Is it Ooh. not about the Word of God? Is it not about Devarim? Is it not about the Devar? That's always what it comes down to. Because, again, <laughs> you have a choice. <laughs> if you think about this, Ra'ah, the Gematria 206, Resh Aleph Hey, 
is the same as Devar. Dalit bait Reddish. Huh? Wow. Now, now, Matt, I'm going to throw ping pong back to you. But, all right. But first, let me just say this. We could go on all night with this subject. But I just oh, feel, man. I just feel like that when Hashem speaks to us, we have a decision to make. We have got to be willing to be circumcised. We've got to be willing to let our heart be cut like Isaac was mm. in order to have the resurrection, in order to be resurrected, in order for Hashem to see us and consider us and, and walk and appear to us in order so we can have the testimony, the prophecy. And you, you remember, you remember when the, in, in, in uh, second Kings chapter two is the last thing I'm going to say. Okay. Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 2, 19 through 25. There was a city that had bad water. And, and, and what did he do? They came, the people came to the prophet and they said, and he said, give me a bowl and put some salt in it. He threw the salt into the spring and healed that water. And right after that, 42 boys came up to him, number 42 again, and started yelling at him, get out of here, oh. Baldy. And Yikes. two bears ate him. Two bears. Two bears. Could that be? Could that be the mem and the bet? Could that be the two? eating the 42 could that be the oral law and the written law the choice that 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 we make to hear the word of god can overcome the 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 worst of the prophecy hashem wants us to choose and hashem wants it to be in our favor so bad that he said i'll accept 10 men well, there ain't no Jews down in Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I'll accept 10 Gentiles. Ooh. If that's what it takes. <laughs> He's waiting on us, man. It's, it's, it, the ball's in our court, you know? We hear the word. We have got to act just like Abraham did. Come on, ping pong. Go for it. Well, I mean, I mean to that. Um, first of all, we have a uh, about a 10-minute warning going out. <laughs> so I feel like um, if you're up for it, we might need to do a part two um, in about 24 hours if you're up for that. 24? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, we got to the first four words of, uh, of Viera, and that's it. It's all we can handle, man. <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, we did a good job, you know. So, uh, so yeah, Rikushim. So, with our little 10 minutes, I want to, first of all, follow up to you that if you really want to know how far it is from where we live to Yerushalayim, it is 6,984 miles. And sometimes I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, furthermore, where I wanted to go is to talk about Yosef from Arimathea. Uh, literally, Arimathea is next to Rama, which is Hamar, if you rearrange those words. 
oh, which is the mamra. On. Okay, so yeah, that sweet fragrant aroma. So um, the Talmud brings down that the ketoret upon the golden altar, when Yisrael merited, i.e., their deeds were pleasing aromas to Hashem, that the ketoret could be smelled as far as Jericho, which is like the southern border into the Promised Land. Rama is the place where Rachel is actually buried and where she intercedes for the exiles. And this is the place where Yosef is from, who offers up the tomb to Mashiach Yeshua, who is Mashiach ben Yosef. Wow. So that, and then um, I wanted to just kind of swing right back to Hashem appearing to himself when he's appearing to Abraham, because uh. Hashem follows his own Torah, and we are commanded to visit the sick. You know, it is a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Right. And Hashem is not going to force you to do a mitzvah, because again, it's your choice. But right. for us who do, if you look at Matthew 25, and start in verse 35. That's right. The I in this verse is Mashiach Yeshua, who is the manifestation mm. of Hashem, the Vayera Elav Hashem, if you will, the first three words of our Torah portion. It says, For I was hungry, mm. and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited, oh, like, like Abraham? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, naked, you clothed me. I was sick. Oh, like Abraham? And you visited mm. me. I, okay, again, who is the I in this? You know, so Abraham totally embodies this I. <laughs> Which, by the way, you could make a love the I. You know, when you mm-hmm. look at that word, he appeared to him, the I. Right. So anyway, right. <laughs> I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Adonai. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in and naked and clothe you? Here's the response. When you did, or, uh, or sleep out, they're still going. When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Now the response. And it uses Hamelech right here, <laughs> shutting it mm. down. The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. So when when Hashem is appearing to Abraham, he's appearing to the I, the Mashiach, if you will, which is Hashem appearing to himself. And this is when Mashiach is showing us here that what Hashem did and does in Parsha Vayera is shows us how to uh, embody compassion and visit the sick. And Abraham ping pongs back to Hashem goes, I see you visiting the sick, but I'm going to raise you one and I'm going to give you hospitality. I'm going to invite you in. You know, so you have this picture here where Hashem is showing us an example, but the in the showing of the example, Abraham is like, I'm going to participate in this. And even though I am the least right now, because I am so much in pain, 
which by the way, the Or HaKaim is, is the one that's bringing down the pain level of Abraham. It says he's redoing his bandages like a leper type person, basically. And wow. saying that he's sitting there in his tent doing that. And the visitors were getting ready to walk away because they were like, oh, he looks in so much pain. Like, I don't even want to. And Abraham's like, no, I'm just just wrapping my bandages. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go at any moment, you know, like Mashiach, <laughs> you know, That's like right, Mashiach yeah. is like, I'm at the gates of Rome. I can I can be done bandaging and get down there and bring some redemption, you know, so. Wow. But anyway. Um, so that's what I just wanted to kind of loop back around and, uh, and share because, you know, it's, it's crazy. Go ahead. Hey, I, I'm sorry, man. I wasn't going to say anything else, but you, you started it (laughs) and I just can't let a man kick me while I'm down. So (laughs) I'm going to get back up here. Hey, when you said he's sitting at the gates of Rome, he's bandaging himself. Right. And he's he's rewrapping. Yeah. You know, in our, in our portion here in verse two, it talks about the the door of the um, the tent uh, has it, oh, the tent the door of the tent goodness. right. Patach, patach meaning door means an opening. Yep. Right. <laughs> it means it means to carve or engrave an opening no. in the ohel. <laughs> huh? Can you believe that? Well. I can, but now that changes what we do for the Amidah. Because when we go, Hashem Sefatai Tiftach. Fatach is the root of Tiftach, homeboy. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is, homeboy. So we're we're crucifying ourselves or, or bringing ourselves up, carrying our own stake when we stand up to do yeah. the Amidah. Yeah, oh my word. Just making an opening. Just you know. Oh. All right. What do we know? Amazing. What do we know? Man, Brooke, Well, you. incredible talent. Um, do you have any like if you want to just kind of summarize and take like 30 seconds, which what would you like to say before we index our team? I would just like to say to everyone um who is struggling with the challenges of life to always choose Hashem always choose that that life force in your in your neshama that you know is right you can feel it you know which way is life you know the path that leads to life you know the way that leads to life and it doesn't matter what what people say oh man look at look at them Jews Jews there's anti-semitism been around for so long ain't even funny Mm. Uh, the Christian community they won't understand you you know what? None of it's all that's external validation, anyways. That never lasts through the test of life. That's right. What re- what really lasts are the internal validations, and there's no greater validation internally than when Hashem considers you and takes notice of you and visits your life. Everything else after that is external and secondary. And always choose the path to where he will take notice of you. Always choose the path of life, the path of Torah. Amen. That's it. Amen. Well, tell that Rabab, Ken, you heat our tone. And Amen. what do we know? What do we know? 
Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher natan lanu Torah temet, Vechaye olam natabetocheinu, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. 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 Well, Torah, incredible Talmud, with the help of Hashem, we shall reconvene tomorrow. All right, boy. All right. Lala Tov to everyone, and shalom.